Hey now, happy, happy vibes, my friends. Welcome back to my podcast where I believe in spreading killer vibes that light you up and give you that kick in the ass to craft the life you wish to live. This sacred space is dedicated to the lovers of all things business, travel, and lifestyle. Hey, it's about time you get the scoop on the latest vibes, so let's get to it. Today we're talking with our favorite guest, Mr. Elatasi. <laughs> Everybody Hello. knows him as my husband, but I call him Mr. Elatasi or Mr. Three, e. Yep. <laughs> he just Thank celebrated you. a birthday, and uh, as every year goes by, he continues to create business thunder wherever he goes. Today he's here with me to talk about the first five steps in starting a house flipping business. Welcome again, Mr. Yi. Well, thank you for the invitation. Glad to be back. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you're back. You're one of our favorite guests. Everybody wants to know what Mr. Yi is thinking <laughs> oh, and what boy. he's doing. Well, that's, I'm humbled. So today I think we wanted to talk about something that we've been doing for the last year. And it was something that came about because of the pandemic, to be honest. Um, neither one of us were home flippers before that we have been in business off and on you know for me but for you you've been a businessman since 1999 really since i was not a businessman but i've been around my parents and their businesses since i was a kid so you've been around it your whole life since i was eight did you ever think you would be a house flipper no i never i never thought i was gonna be house flipper i always wanted to do something in real estate mostly on the commercial lines i always liked the uh, cerebral component to them the commercial the house flipping is more creative and yeah. but, but also has a fun component to it so let's talk a little bit about what you do so mr latassi right now you do real just, estate development just call me, right. just call me <laughs> i know I, want I wanted to make you very proper you're my guest <laughs> um so okay you are a developer so yes. you do commercial yes. development yeah so I, I, I had an auto repair business, as some of you may have listened to on the other podcast for 20 years, that I inherited from my parents when I had yeah. left college. And so you fast forward 20 years, got kind of tired of it, uh, sold the dirt, and decided to do what I really wanted to do when I had the idea probably maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I partnered up with a couple partners, and we decided to do some uh, commercial real estate, building retail centers uh, out there. Right now, what we're having is one in Porter and mm-hmm. another one we're working on in Conroe. It just broke ground. The Porter uh, property is completely stout. It's on the market. And Lisa and I have various investments uh, in hotels and Virgin Islands and some mobile homes and apartment complexes and just different kind of passive income deals. But those aren't developer deals or GP deals. Those are strictly limited partner deals. Limited. Yeah. Um, and I think I want to use the word that you use all the time, which is redeploy. And I yes. think that's what you did with the money that you got from the right. sale of your business sure. and the land. Yep. And then you redeployed it to a variety of real estate investments. Yes. You know, right. it was a re- development. But then through the pandemic, we pivoted. I think we made like a little uh, right turn yep. to do house flipping. And I think we purchased <laughs> our, fir- our first house was... April 2020, correct? Yes, uh, between you and I, the first yeah. one we did was the April first 2020. One we did yeah, we were bored, and the commercial right. thing kind of came to a lull as the entire world came to a right. stop. And I had closed my business, so yeah. I wasn't doing anything, and right. I needed something to do. Yes, and that's that's <laughs> kind of that was the uh, beginning of the story, and here we are. So it's you kind know, of taken off. Yeah, and it's been amazing. I think we're on our fourth house now. Yes, we are. Um, and so yeah, crossing our fingers that everything turns out good. 
So today I just want to talk about the basics of house flipping. We're not going to really go into like real, real detail, just kind of like a little bit of a broad um, sense of what it takes to kind of get started in your own. Because I think we get a lot of questions and I know I get a lot of questions on how do you get going? What do you need to do in order to get it going and get and and flip a house? So let's talk a little bit about, you know, point number one and um, deciding whether you're going to have a partnership, if you're going to go solo on it, if you're, you know, just kind of like realizing if if you have you know the um i guess the time the money sure. the effort or the time the motivation to go on it solo so how did you decide that you wanted to partner up or that you wanted to go solo like tell us a little bit about that well so it's obviously easy partnering up with your wife especially yeah. if you've been married for 20 years but you know partnerships are not for everybody uh they they have to be there has to be a good symbiotic relationships like everybody knows out there it's it's hard working with other people especially when they have different points of views mm-hmm. obviously i'm i've been on i've been on both sides partnered on the commercial side also partnered i did some flips with another partner prior you know before you and i did it together and it doesn't always work out well because yes yeah, every, i'm glad you're saying that yes it doesn't it's it's not an easy deal it's it doesn't you know, everybody has their own circumstances. So it almost has to be like all the stars have to be aligned for a partnership just to be easy, mm-hmm. not even for it to work out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for example, if you have a, really the ultimately the best partnerships are when you both have two strengths and you have some weaknesses and those strengths kind of overcome each other's weaknesses. So, for example, yeah. the partners that I have on the commercial side, they know how to build a retail center, but they're not much the retail guys. They're not kind of the face of the operation. And then... Uh, then that's kind of where I come in, but I don't know really how to build those those uh, retail centers. That's kind of where they're doing. So there's there's some pros and cons, and that's kind of how a partnership should work. But they're not easy. There's there's a lot of bumps in the road, and there's a lot of how do you make a determination on who's a good partner for you? Besides, you, of course, we live together. I, but how do you find other partners for your other ventures? It it everything has to be communicated up front. You mm-hmm. must think of all the possible details that you can think are going to be issues for yourself. Mm-hmm. You must communicate your expectations of what you expect this investment to bring at the end. And uh, there has to be there has to be all complete transparency. And if there's any kind of any kind of doubt in any of those three, don't partner up with somebody yeah. because it's just going to be a rough ride. Uh you know, it's it, it if there's they're, they're doing something behind your back, they're not communicating. They're, you know, just just regular stuff that you do, almost like you find in friendships or in marriages or whatever. It's it's it's, it's just a it's just a business marriage is what it is. What it is, yeah. It's right. a lot of negotiation that's of negotiation. going on back and forth it, and meeting in the middle. The best partnership is when you guys separate your roles and you trust each other, not to step on each other's toes. Right. You do this part, I do this part. Yeah. And you must completely have 100 percent trust. Of course, you guys can kind of say, hey, you know what? I think this might be a better idea, but more often than not 90 95 percent of the time you must let them do their thing and you do your thing because if you guys just if you guys think you have a better idea in every so little defined detail, roles defined roles yes yeah 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 and i think a lot of people think that you know if you flip a house it's an automatic potential for profit and a lot of times it's not a lot no, of profit it and it's not quite as much as people think it is no it's not it's definitely right. <laughs> it's definitely not something that this is passive income we're talking about this is this is not something that you're going to make a living off of this is this yes. is strictly money that you have in a if savings account if you want account. like a, a another stream of income right. on the side from yes. whatever else you're doing a better return than what you have yes. currently if you don't have the risk for the market you don't have you know saving your savings account is giving you 1% or half a percent return this is this is what you do it's just like going to the stock uh-huh. market and 
only difference is, is you have slightly more control than the market. And so number two, step number two, how much money do you need in order to start investing and start flipping, flipping houses? Well, so there's two ways. You can do lender financing. Mm -hmm. and most lenders are requiring 20 to 25% down. That's, that's standard, you know, loan to value kind of formulas. Uh, but the easiest way is yes. obviously going all cash. Going all cash. It's easy. It's easiest to buy a property all cash. It's easiest to uh, 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 get to the process of closing on a property much quicker because if you have a lender, lender is going to require appraisal values. They're going to. They may even require inspections. There's a lot of the property. more challenges and obstacles yes. to getting the house. Right. Right. And what is another advantage of getting a, of, of doing a cash besides you know winning the bidding war? Well, you're not. Be, you don't have carrying cost. Ah. So you're not under a time crunch to uh, sell the house quickly or to rehab the house because that's not for everybody. There's I've I've come across people in the house flipping industry. They take their time. They do three, four, five, eight months on the deal. That's not how we operate. I like to get something out in 30, 45 days max. Mm -hmm. But when you have carrying costs, that's obviously eating at your profit. Mm -hmm. When you have to pay the bank back, you're in interest on the loan. So that's another advantage. But the other advantage is when you there's so many flippers out there in Houston, particularly. Okay. And if you can get ahead of everybody else mm -hmm. by doing cash, seven days, quick close, really no contingencies, maybe a quick inspection period. And you can even do away without the inspection period. Uh, okay. Without just simply by... Uh, simply by just kind of feeling out the house for yourself and you kind of gain that through experience. And you, you kind of throw that all at the seller that you don't have any kind of contingencies you want the house, you, there's a great likelihood you'll get it. So there's like a big dose of confidence that has to be there in order for you to be able to do something like that. And I think that's something that doesn't come easy for a lot of people. No, it's not. I think a yeah. lot of us will walk through and through something. I know I'm that way whenever I walk through a house that we're thinking about purchasing. I have to feel it out. I have to feel I, that there is potential in that house. Yes. It's like people say, does it have good bones? Like I need to see that it has good bones sure. and that those bones are going to give us something um in return right you know not necessarily just because it's in a great area great neighborhood but there could be tons of problems I and mean, we went through maybe one house not too far from from where we are um in mem the memorial was it memorial area can't remember that uh, we saw it and it was great but the amount of money that we had to put into this was at least a hundred thousand dollars right so but what do you gauge not, would be it's average? Not, it's not the amount that you have to put into the house. Okay. That's the second part of the equation when you're going into flipping a house. Half okay. of it, to, the way we do it, is half is gut instinct. You walk into the house, you feel out the neighborhood, you kind of have a mm -hmm. general idea through experience of what it costs to rehab a house just from the experience that you had before. But even if you don't know... You can, you know, you're going to learn as you go. That's just kind of the reality of the things. But you realize that it, it needs, you, you live in a house, you kind of know what other houses that are on the market sell for in terms of what it costs, I mean, in terms of what the style that you need. Okay. And you kind of apply that style based on what you kind of see out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You apply it to how the house is, uh, what, you, what you would need in that particular house uh, to get it going. That's the gut instinct part. The other part of the equation is to do the numbers. 
And so obviously you have to look at what the house is selling for. Okay. And you have to do the comps. There's two ways to do comps. All right. And that's going to lead me. Yes. There's two to... ways to do comps. One of them is strictly you go to the Harris County Appraisal District or whatever county okay. you're in. And then you look at the, you look at what that house is selling for. And then you kind of look at what other houses are selling for in that street or in that area. Mm-hmm. And that's the basis. That's the bottom line. Because typically the appraisal district is lower than what the actual houses are selling for. So, for example, okay. if a house is selling for 150 50,000 that's what sellers asking but you see on the appraisal district it's 180,000 then you know you got some you got some room to work with because the house will probably sell for 15 to 20% above the appraisal district's ask the other way is really to gotcha. team up with a good realtor. Mm-hmm. Uh, comps are available to the public, but the realtors have a lot better connections with, with the comps. So that's the other half of the equation. So then you run the comps and then you run the appraisal district and how much the house is selling for and what you estimate the cost the house is going to be. Yeah. The average, that's called the after repair value, the AR, ARV. Right. And what you're looking for is about a, anywhere from a 10 to 20% return. 15 is average. 10 to 20%. And right. that leads me to step number three, learning the market. Right. Uh, not just purchasing a house when it when you like it and you think about it and you're like, oh, I'm in love, I'm getting it. There's a lot of components that need to be there. When And you talked about condition of the property. Yes. You talked about um, what they're looking in terms of af- their asking price. Yep. Because sometimes they're a little too much for sure. what we want to pay. They're, what they're looking to sell, the ARV, obviously the after repair value. Uh, do you consider neighborhoods? Do you consider... Yeah, uh, yes, neighborhoods are huge. Location, location, location yeah, is huge. Real estate's always yeah, about location, always. right? Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you, even, even in some of the less appealing neighborhoods, you can possibly still make money if the price of the property that you're buying has enough of a margin to do something with the property. So for example, if you find, you go to a, you know, to a neighborhood that is not necessarily, let's say the Heights or, or you go into like Oak Forest, something really appealing, but you go into something that doesn't, there's a market for everybody out there. There's a, there's an economic demographic for everything. And you can make, you can make money doing Mm -hmm. a house for 50, that's you buy for 75,000, you put 20,000 into it Mm -hmm. and you sell for 130, $140,000. Mm-hmm. That all works as long as there's you do the math and find out that that fifty thousand dollar house after you put in twenty to thirty thousand into it will sell for one thirty to one forty. Yeah. So you can. It doesn't matter where the neighborhood is. People get they get too romanticized about oh I have to do it in the Heights. I have to do it Memorial and Memorial or whatever you. because those yeah. houses will sell easy. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's all an equation. It's all a formula. If you make twelve percent on the house in a lower socioeconomic neighborhood, twelve percent house in an yeah. upper socio it's still 12 percent yeah and i think we we came across a situation where we wanted to do a house and we still have it on the market actually and we wanted to do a house in my old neighborhood in the north side that house was just you know i think i think and i guess i think i romanticized the idea of going back to my neighborhood and purchasing a house in my neighborhood and i convinced you to come and, and 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 let's test it out let's see if we can find a house over here in this area um of course, everybody told us the houses were selling for a really great price. You know, things w- were looking up in the neighborhood. It wasn't the heights, but it was close enough to the heights that you could get a really good um, resale value on these houses. And I think this house was probably the most difficult and the most challenging in terms of all the problems that we encountered when it came to uh, contractors right. and when it came to location as well. Sure. And that's what's struggling right now because even though it's been um, listed for a month, it's right. still struggling to get there. Well, it's not, we knew that this house was going to be a challenge. And, yeah. And, you know, not not to 
you know, float our boat. We wanted a challenge because we wanted to kind of get away from the mid-century cookie cutter homes. We wanted to do something on a different side of town. We had said this many times at the beginning mm-hmm. that this house was going to be a challenge because we knew the street was a little dicey. The neighborhood was not for the masses. It was more of a niche. It was niche. very specific. It was very specific. Niche, it was, very it was a niche ma- neighborhood. Yeah. It's really close to downtown. It's really for a couple that it just is looking for proximity to their work, not necessarily somebody that lives in town, somebody that's coming out of town. Yeah. Uh, maybe, a, you know, somebody that's going to live there for three, four years. It's under contract. So it, it was different. And we wanted to do something different. We wanted to challenge ourselves. And, you know, it's only been on the market for 30 days. We've had a lot of showings. But yeah, not, it's a beautiful house. It's a little bungalow. Right. It's super cute, very but, cozy. Right. But to Alicia's point, yeah. you know, that's that's one of the pitfalls of doing this. One of the challenges of is, doing this, is, yeah. the, is really the contractors. You really got to develop a rapport with good work, and you have to treat you have to pay them sometimes extra mm-hmm. to keep them because everyone's busy these days everyone's doing this the, re- the residential market is super hot and yeah. try, trying to get somebody to come into work for you uh, is a challenge in itself i told the girls yesterday with the business mastermind that i had i said sometimes we just say hey you finish on time you, you come in on time and you'll get a bonus like i think sometimes with these contractors we just have to be super like yes. uh, let me throw some money in your face sure. right now so that yeah, you can you, get it done because it's the most difficult thing and that's going to lead me to number four and that's number four and step number four is building your network of contractors and real estate professionals oh my god that is like such a huge huge component and people think oh i'll just hire my cousin i'll hire my tío you know i'll have i have a friend who does electricity he's an electrician like Oh my God! You have got to really, really know who's going to come in yes. and do these houses for you, right? Because it's going to bite you. I can't you, stress right. that enough. It's going to bite you in the ass. It's going to cost you in the long run. I always had a yeah. saying: Don't work with family or friends. Yeah, you got to work twice as hard for half the money. <laughs> and so it's not. I want it, that quote on a T-shirt. It, sure, there's 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 benefits. They'll give you a deal. They may cut, you know, they may cut, uh, you know, a break off the price, and that may help you out on the margin. Uh-huh. But you got to make sure that that friend or that family member that's working for your electrician, your plumber, your your drywall guy is actually doing a good job because typically, no matter how related they are to you, mm-hmm. or how good of a relationship you have, money and business always is a separate ball game with friends and family with anybody it just makes people do things different they can be the closest cousin the closest brother-in-law the closest sister-in-law the closest uh, brother mm-hmm. but when it comes to money it's always that there's a there's a dichotomy between relationships and money just, always it's a dark gray area between. yeah and it could lead to right. to families breaking apart yes it can lead to people feeling jealous or envious of right. one person and then they're going to say well i work just as right. much as you do why do why am i not getting that much like it's a very yeah. very dicey thing and you have it to be is. very careful who you work right. with and what you do with them but building your network creating um a a really mm-hmm. good rapport with those contractors that work out well for you um wholesalers by the way was yes. the way that we've been able to find houses that's yes. also part of the network of contractors yep. the wholesaler yeah so we've that's actually the easiest process that we have learned over the last year is working with wholesalers and the way this works and it really doesn't work with lender financing on wholesale because the lenders require an mm-hmm. appraisal value they require inspection and they don't it's typically 30 days wholesalers want to get in and they want to get out they don't want anything any flags or any kind of wrenches thrown at them Wholesalers, they look for distressed properties or properties from sellers that don't want to go through the process of listing their property. They won't, they're typically, their mortgages are clear. They just, they're, they had a death in the family. They were widowed. 
They want out of a property quickly, painlessly. They're willing to take a pay cut on the sale of their property. And, but you got to move fast on it and you got to have cash and you got to just throw in seven, 10 days, quick close. I want that property and do your due diligence within a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Get good at it. Look up the appraisal district, have your realtor look up the uh, comps in the area, kind of do the math in your head, walk the property once, generalize it and then and get the deal done. If you want to get it, if you want to get ahead of everybody else, because one the second a wholesaler gets hold of a property, yeah. they have a network, they of have investors. a Rolodex of investors. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you're gonna be arguing with all of them. So you gotta you gotta you can't be on their shit list in other words. Yeah. I mean we gotta treat them well. Yep. We gotta bring them a bottle of wine every yeah. once in a while, that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that's our favorite that's our right. favorite way of uh schmoozing. Yeah, whole, wholesaling people. is one thing. <laughs> wholesaling is one option to get a house. Another option is uh, to some to know somebody uh, to know somebody that wants yeah. to sell a house that's an easy process of course you can go the auction route but you got to be registered with an auction house or with a vendor and you, you know, that's one of those things you kind of learn how it goes you're going to be bidding amongst a lot of people and typically on the auction deal you don't get to walk the property yeah. on the inside it's it's sight unseen you know you can see it from the outside you could probably see some of the pictures but you don't get that feel of the house so there's higher risk in an auction property yeah i think i would be uncomfortable doing mm -hmm. auctions myself sure. just because i'm one of those people that needs to walk through something right. and feel it out that's just how i feel and i feel like a lot of people say well you know contractors can't it, it i just want to stress how important it is to really find contractors that you trust yep. that will work with you and that you can take them from one um one property to another and from right. one project to another and that are willing to work with you because a lot of times you know we have to make exceptions for them like they don't show up on time right. we understand that their family life is a little bit different than sure. ours right. we our time frames you know we say we're going to be there at 10 we show up at 10 for a lot of contractors 10 o'clock is 10 30 yes. 10 45 right. so if you're going to be flipping houses you have to have an understanding of the people that are going to come work for you right obviously we had one house, the one we did um, at Lugary, and we had a contractor. We had a, a, a general contractor, right. and he took care of everything. It was great. But it, it was fantastic, but we paid a little bit more money sure. for that. But we said, okay, are we willing to pay a little bit more for that peace of mind? And we said what? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And absolutely. It, it, sometimes it's worth it because if, yeah. if you get a good general contractor that can handle the electrical, the plumbing, the flooring, the paint, and he's yeah. there actually yeah. working with his guys, that's even a huge plus because a lot of general contractors, they just subcontract, mm -hmm. they don't show up, and then and then it's it just kind of delays the process because everyone, I have to reemphasize this part, yes. is this is an investment. This is not emotional. This is about getting the best return for your money. And time is an important component of getting an investment. There are formulas you plug in for how long your money is being tied up in an investment and to sell that investment and then redeploy that investment. The more the times you can roll over that money, the opportunity cost of capital, the better your return is in a fixed amount of mm -hmm. time, 12 months or 18 months mm -hmm. or 24 months. But typically people look at a 12 month period. So it's not a good idea to take a 1500 square foot house and take three months to rehab mm -hmm. it. Have all your ducks in order. Have your contractors yeah. lined up and get them in, get them out. A 1500 square foot house with foundation issues, 
uh, some flooring, some paint, redoing the cabinets. Mm -hmm. It should honestly shouldn't take you more than four to five weeks. Mm -hmm. If you're on top of everybody, if you micromanage the time frame, if you set those expectations from the beginning, and if you have to pay an extra thousand or two thousand, which to them uh -huh. is an extra ten to twelve percent for their profit, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's how they see it. Mm -hmm. And if you pay them extra to get the house done and mm -hmm. you get that house sold, you get yeah. to redeploy, redeploy the capital, buy yourself another property. That and that continues to improve your NOI, can, continues to improve the opportunity cost of the OCC, the opportunity cost of capital, the percentage, the internal rate of return. You get to plug because that's all it's about. It's just about making those numbers higher in terms of what you can do elsewhere with that money. It's yeah. not emotional. You can't say, oh, I'm going to take four or five months to do a house for 1,500 square feet. You're wasting time. You're not doing it right. And, and I just want to just reemphasize this as well. We learned all of these things that we're telling you guys about today in a year. I mean, yep. it really was like intense immersion and like learning things sure. and um, really taking the time to kind of like, okay, well, you know, what, what, are the, what are the trends out there? What are the colors? What are the schemes? What are we going to do in terms of the property area? I know one one thing that I work on the most with this um, partnership is that I really look at um, the neighborhood and I look at how we can incorporate the spice or the culture of the neighborhood into our house and to make it stand out and make it special yes, and right. different. Because if we are going to be doing what everybody else is doing in terms of investment, then right. what are we doing that's sure. different and unique and special? Right. And one thing and one comment that we get a lot is I really like the floors you picked. Right? I really like the color of the wall or, you know, that kitchen was very unique. Yeah. I mean, our hammock house right. is the most beautiful um, kitchen. It was completely custom. Right. It's beautiful, gorgeous, yeah. handcrafted. Yeah, right. And, you know, you could think, well, why would you do something so amazing and so special in a neighborhood that's just so run down? Because a lot of those houses are giving the same thing or giving vanilla. They're right. giving vanilla to everybody. So how are we going to stand out and make it different? We added technology. We added something that we thought, you know, maybe a more millennial couple, a younger couple would appreciate. Sure. We added security. We added keyless door entry. I mean, right. there's a few components in there that were very thoughtful in the way we wanted to create something sure. unique and special for this house. Yeah. Absolutely. It's an, it's an art to do this. It's it, it most. The other thing is it has to be fun. And you don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't, the thing is that we've come across other house flippers. They do a lot of generic stuff. It's a lot of white uh -huh. walls or gray walls and a lot of white. And, and you got to put an extra touch into the house. You mm -hmm. have to show that there's a little bit of thought mm -hmm. that goes into it, that it's not just a quick flip, that you went out there and took the time to find a more decorative or geometric tile for the backsplash or for um. the floors, or you found some interesting uh, tile that goes in the shower walls or some interesting different paint colors. You don't want to go crazy. You don't want to go for something that's not for the masses either. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not talking about doing some red, white, and blues on the, in the, no, on the kitchen course. cabinets. Of, of course, neutral colors, earth colors, you know, stuff that anybody can add their own touches to when they, when they decide that they want the house, but something a little bit different. Yeah. And I think that kind of helps you kind of stand out, just like you have to stand on any kind of creative or right, or right, exactly. right brain business. Exactly. And I think that's what makes our houses a little bit more special and more unique, that we do incorporate some unique geometric patterns. Um, I'm a big fan of, of, for example, Chris Pardo design. So yes. whenever I go and see what he does, I get inspiration from what he yep. does. And he combines different patterns. He's really big in doing... Um, 
these beautiful wallpapers. Yep. I mean, colors are just so sure. amazing and gorgeous. And I think it's it's something that makes us stand out a little bit more in terms of investments and things that people say, oh, let's go see their house. Right. It's got to have like a unique take on it and something sure. special. No, we've learned a lot from Chris. Chris is our partner out there in the Virgin mm-hmm. Isles, the hotel gig that we have, the investment Definitely. out there. We just came back from there and we checked on the properties. And he's mm-hmm. done some amazing designs. That's not necessarily something you you get you would apply to a, a house that you're trying to sell to the majority of the market, but it kind of gives you an idea that you can do something just a little toned down that that would still has some appeal to it, yeah. but at the same time you're doing something different than just white subway tile on a ba- on a backsplash or some which is what everybody's doing, doing. Right? or the you know for a while we did the typical eighty cent floor decor mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. six by twelve mm-hmm. ceramic tiles on the yeah, floors everybody's doing that mm-hmm. I just I got tired of doing that I, just, right. I, fig- I figured you could stand out a little bit and maybe get an offer on a property if you do something that they're not seeing it but still kind of in that realm of a neutral color but just a little bit different exactly yep. I love it I love it and if you guys want to check out his design aesthetic uh, follow the arrive hotels yep. Um, and that's his design. All of that is him. And it's just been an inspiration for me just to see what he's doing. All right. Point number five. And this is our last one. Buy, renovate, and sell your property. What happens when you're about to sell that property that you've renovated and you're about to sell it? What are you going to do now? So right before you sell it, obviously you want to get somebody to clean it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, we have the best lady right. that cleans the so houses for in us. In terms of selling the house, I like to implement flexibility. I like to leave something for the buyer to put their own two cents yes. in, where the seller says that. for the right price, whether it's an appliance package, whether it's an addition uh, to a closet, you don't like the closet, it's not big enough, or you want to change the color of the cabinets. I leave something for them to put their own two touches on for the right price because ultimately if you take most people are going to get a 30-year mortgage four to five percent interest rate and it's going to cost them you know five thousand dollars repaint the cabinets and you're selling the house for three hundred thousand let's say but they're going to say i want i want the house for two hundred ninety thousand but you know ten years over thirty years at a five percent interest rate it may mm-hmm. cost them a thousand extra in down payment but only an extra thirty forty dollars a month but you're willing to repaint the cabinets for five thousand dollars or four thousand dollars that they don't have to do that. They get their own touch. You show flexibility, and mm-hmm. you still get, you still get an extra three or four thousand uh, dollars instead of going down to two ninety. You're now down to two ninety five, and they pay two ninety five. So it's kind of a win win for everybody. Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. my my philosophy has to be a win win for both. Yeah. You you but don't don't redo everything on the house. Don't say I want I put in all these appliances and all this stuff, and because then you're kind of limiting. You're limiting the option to what people say, well, I don't like stainless. I want black appliances. Or I don't like black, I want a stainless steel appliance. Then you have to redo all of it. Put in a put in a couple appliances and then leave the other appliances open. Yeah, I think you and I tend to leave the refrigerator out right. because it tends to be a very personal right. purchase washer for people. and dryers. Yeah. And washer and dryers. Right. Yeah, yep. some people are very picky about what they kind of want on those things. Right. And that's great. I mean, that's fine. That's a great little right. leverage that we always provide for them yep. so they can add their own touch because some houses come with everything already sure. in it. Um, and then it doesn't allow for the buyer to to add their own little right. uh, two cents, you know, and have, it's really nice to have that opportunity. Have your realtor list mm-hmm. that on the broker agreements between the realtors or even put it on the public deal yeah. that people it, you what yeah. you're doing is you're alluding and you're suge- you're indicating that you you're flexible, that you want to work with uh, the buyer. Yeah. And, you know, it's if you if you're doing a house in the 60s or 70s, offer a home warranty. Tell them you'll cover the home warranty for them. 
You know, that's because that way they, they, they'll have at least for one year, maybe the air conditioning or the heater that might go out or some major appliance that, that'll get covered. And that kind of, you know, it's only $500 typically for an average home warranty. And that kind of gives them a peace of mind that they're not going to have, they're not have to put up a major cost of investment mm-hmm. right up front when they move in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are really good, really good tips. So I think just want to make one thing clear that um, flipping houses isn't easy. I know that it, they make it look very simple on TV and all that. You have to have the stomach for it. And you have to have the, the the motivation to go into these houses and sometimes, you know, argue with contractors that are not doing a good job and sure. just insist on that. Oh, they're, it's great. Like, uh, no, it's not. You're not doing good. Like, have that um, conversation with these people, um, but have it in a very dignified way. I think that's one thing that we definitely sure dignify every single person that comes and works in our house like we never treat them like they're our employees or partners for us and we make them feel that way but even when they do make mistakes it's like i know that you know you know we need to work on this and they always fix it for us they say oh don't worry i got you i'll fix it i know sometimes they'll send a worker in you know like the other day we had somebody send somebody in for plumbing and it wasn't the main plumber um and it didn't work out well so the main plumber came in and said let me fix it for you i'm sorry my employee you know i'm not here to see and in, and, right. and 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 do quality and, control, and, but and, and you get that customer service yeah. because you stay loyal to them. Yeah. If they do 95 percent good work, yeah, then they're going to they're bound to make a mistake every now and then. We all make mistakes, but the good thing is is that when you stay loyal and you pay them well and you pay them on time, they'll come back and and they'll. They're not, they're not going to be chasing them around more often than not. Of course, mm-hmm. there's always bad apples out there. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, if you say, hey, you know, they give you a price for 2000 do the plumbing, you negotiate a little bit, maybe $1,700, and then you pay them half a front, you pay them half when they're done. Yeah. And then they, they're they happy you give them the work, then you give them the second house, you give them the third house, and they realize that you're using them over and over, they're getting repeat business. You just get better customer service out of it. The other thing is, like, you know, you're going to see money leaving your bank account on a consistent basis because yeah, you're right. paying people. Right. And I think people start to panic. Oh, sure. I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that. But you've got to stay the course right. and be patient and see that at the end, when that house sells, you'll be able to recoup all of that. Sure. But I think a lot of people panic and think, oh, I don't think I have 30, 40 grand. Well, again, this is only if you're doing it as an uh, as an additional income yeah, this, stream. This, this isn't going to be... Yeah, the end all be all. This for is anybody. not money that you want to do unless this. you're doing like a lot of properties at right. one time. Sure, this and you're a business. Yeah, you do. You don't want to do this if this is all the money you have. This is money that you don't need for the foreseeable future. It's just basic common investing principles. Yeah. All right, guys, we have reached the end of the episode. Right. I'm so grateful that you guys are listening. If you yeah. feel that you, I would like some to add one stuff. other thing real quick. I yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh-huh. So I don't think we talked about the cash flow model, the rental option, and I think I get a lot of that. People like to, you know what? Yeah, we right. didn't. I didn't that's, even think about that. That's not for us, and that's not our circumstance, and that's not what our expectations mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. I'm. The cash flow, the rental model works. Yeah. You typically are easier to get a lender finance on a cash flow model if you want to rent the house out because you really don't need to come down. The uh, You don't really need to do a lot of repairs on the house. Uh, and the appraisal and the on the rental typically comes a little bit higher for you to get that lender financing. And But you have to keep in mind that the return on a Rental, more often than not, is a long-term play. You get if you have financed a house and your mortgage on the house is now a thousand and you're charging thirteen hundred dollar rent, and assuming that you're a handy person that you can do your own maintenance on the house, mm-hmm. you're walking away with about three hundred bucks, which is thirty six hundred dollars a year. 
that doesn't seem like a lot of money. But on a rental property, it's the asset appreciation over many years where there's a payday. That's not how I like to do things or how we like to do things. I like to take that money, redeploy it, and, and, and continuously pound away at that internal rate of return mm-hmm. all the time. You can do it that way. That that works for some people. Okay. They, they want that $1,300, that extra four or $500 coming in every month that helps them pay some bills. And then they're hoping that 20 years down the road, a house they bought for 200 is now worth 350 or 375 mm-hmm. They get to sell that house, and that helps them with the retirement or relief pressure. That's a great model, too. That works. But... Just keep in mind, if you do that, it's like, oh, I'm only making 300 bucks a month, and you know, yeah. like, that doesn't do anything. So that's not a good way if you need, uh, if you if you want to improve the, those form those numbers that I talked about, the opportunity castle capital. Gotcha. The, uh, that that's not that's not a good option for that. That's a very long term play that works out over the long term. And there is a good podcast that I recommend that people listen to. It's mm-hmm. called Passive Real Estate Investing, and. Uh, by Marco Santorelli. He's a very no-frills, basic, rudimentary guy for just the average investor out there. Mm-hmm. Listen to his podcast. He has about, I think, 40 or 50 of them now. You don't have to listen to all of them, but you can look at the titles, and they, he tells you about how, kind of what I had just explained, how to go about doing the same thing in both options, a rental model or the flipping model. He, yeah. he goes through both oh, of them, good. and he'll okay. let you, he, he teaches you how to count the numbers. I had a background in finance Great in college, resource. and I've taken some courses at MIT and stuff like that online. And so it was, it wasn't, I wasn't listening to that. I just want to see if there was any secrets to the trade, but there really isn't any secrets to the trade. You look at the appraisal district, you get the comps, yeah. you kind of, you kind of, uh, Go over what you think it's going to cost. If you don't know it, it's your first house. Get a contractor, get an what? estimate, yeah, and then kind of and then realize how fast can you do it. And if you're walking away, your ten or fifteen thousand is that worth your time? Exactly. You know, and it's only worth your time if you do it quick. You can't do this and and have it done in six months and then say I only made ten thousand dollars and you're going to beat yourself up. That was way too much effort for too long of a time. But yeah. if you're doing this every 30, 45, 60 days mm-hmm. and you're making fifteen, twenty, twenty five thousand or whatever, then then you feel better about it. You feel better about doing it. Yeah, and maybe partner up with another investor, somebody who has experience, yeah. and then get your feet wet so sure. that you can go off and do it on your own. Yep. But it's always a good idea to look at resources and research as much as you can of everything that you're doing. Learn about what you're doing. Like, I'm I'm addicted to these uh, investment podcasts, too, now. Like, I'm listening right. to real estate investment podcasts. Why? Because if I'm doing something, I want to be really good at it, and sure. I want to know as much as I can about what I'm doing. Don't, don't worry about failing. You can't learn how to walk if you're worried about tripping. And it's just, you have to put yourself out there and you can't really fail in real estate in Houston or in Texas. We're not in Florida. We're not in California. We're not in these, these, these scarce land situations on the beach somewhere where you have this, this huge appreciation asset over four or five years and then the market crashes and then the asset goes mm-hmm. down. This is a very kind of leveled market. If you just do your numbers, you really can't fail at it. Just don't buy a house that has an HCAT value of 220 and the the asking price is 230. You're, you're yeah. not going to make money that way. Yeah. It, yeah, there has to be there has to be a margin in what you think is worth. The typical is 10 to 15 percent below the HCAT, and then you can add an extra 10 or 15 percent that, that you'll probably sell it for, and then do the. Uh, <clears throat> And then do the numbers. Yeah, I mean, don't find excuses. If it's something you want to do, you can do it. If you need to borrow money from somebody or maybe go in with partners, um, don't do it all by yourself. Go in on it at the beginning with another person to kind of get your feet wet. And then you can, yeah, and like anything else. Again, like Russ said, don't, you know, worry about the tripping if you're learning how to walk. Like just start and start doing. And we're in a really great place right now where... 
you know, I think that the market is just really hot right now, and right. we're and, and it's happening, and it's going really well. Yeah. And um, we got four homes on the market. We have four homes we're doing right now. One's been on the market for 30, 35 days. Yeah. We just put another mar- another property in the market. Our realtor Rachel Allen just listed it yesterday. Within less than twenty four hours, we already have an offer ten k above. Asking. Uh, asking price, mm-hmm. and we had we had that house done in less than four. And a, it was like four and a half weeks. So and that's like, when we hired that general contractor right. who took care of everything and really made right. it super seamless and really easy for us. We're working on another one out there in Spring Branch that hopefully one it'll more be done. In Spring Branch, and if yeah. it wasn't for the foundation taking three weeks for the contractor to come out there, we'd be probably we'd wrapping be probably it up. We'd be done right? by now. We'd yeah. be wrapping it up here. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you so much for being here yeah, today. Of course. And I think well, we gave some we gave some really great information and some awesome awesome ideas. If they want to do some flipping. Again, guys, if you like what you hear, if everything uh, resonates with you, let us know what you think. Post a review. Share our podcast with your friends. Let everybody know you're listening in. We have information. We have inspiration. We talk about business, travel, and lifestyle. As always, you can find me at Vibes by Alicia on Instagram and also my business Instagram account at Thinking Underscore Boutique. Right. I'm really excited and I'm so, so grateful for you today. Thank uh, you. I am too for having you as a partner. <laughs> we, we work well together. Thank you. I think we do. You don't step on my toes and that's all that matters. <laughs> Just kidding. Just I, lear- kidding. I learned it the hard way. <laughs> Get out of my way. Yes, the only thing I have to say way. at the very end is yeah. don't talk about doing something go out there and, and do, do it. it. Right. Execute. Execute. Life's too short to have ideas. It's the difference in the success. Execution. People think it, think it, think about it. They go over it, go over it, and then they never do it. Do it, guys. You heard it here. Thank you, guys. See you all next time. Bye. Bye.